Well, welcome to Farming in Eternal, an eternal podcast for farmers hosted by Patrick, me, and my co-host Ruben, also known as Barefoot Farmer. Hello. Okay, this is our first episode and it's probably going to be really, really rough and maybe nonsensical. Uh, We're still experimenting with the format, but my hope at least is that we're going to be a draft-focused podcast for Eternal though we might explore some constructed content, which is great because it turns out Barefoot is good at both and I'm not really good at either. That's not true. (laughs) Okay, so yeah, so this uh, podcast came to be because we are both farmers and we both play Eternal, as you might have gotten from our introduction. And I thought we should start a podcast so I asked Barefoot if he wanted to do a podcast about drafting. He said yes. And so here we are. Um, I've been playing since set three, kind of on and off. Well, I guess not on and off, on the whole time, just casual, more casually at first. And then I've started playing more and more as uh, the winter has uh, has come. Yeah, okay, Barefoot, you go. Yeah, well... <laughs> I've been playing for uh, quite a while now. I mean, I have something like 1,300, 1,400 hours in just my PC in Steam alone right now on Eternal. Um, I found out about it from my brother. We're both old school, kind of more serious Magic players. Um, it's been a while since I got to play Magic, and you know, discovering Eternal is obviously a great thing because it is a kind of easy way to you know, work from home, obviously as a farmer, you know, it's (laughs) really nice being able to play tournaments on my own time, you know, whenever I'm able to, as far as I I haven't played many tournaments, like as far as the ETS events and stuff. So you won't see me doing that just because I was never able to make it work, make it work with my schedule, but I've done a lot of other games on here and, uh, yeah, it's top 33, uh, ECQ competitor, right? Top 33. <laughs> I, you know, I, I was a top, I got top 40 twice before they changed it to top 64. <laughs> so, yeah, that, was, that felt really good. It was a good change. I'm glad they did it. I just wish it had started off like that. That's, that's okay. I'll get back eventually. The format of this show is going to be we're going to start with. Uh, a card of the week. Um, just each of us uh, pick a card that we kind of want to talk about. Then we'll have a main topic. And then we're going to go through a couple drafts that uh, one of us has done. Uh, this time it's uh, two drafts that I did this past week. That segment I call Please Save This Draft, where I ask Barefoot to tell me what I should have done in retrospect. <laughs> that's That's how it turns out, kind of. <laughs> Starting our first segment, card of the week. Uh, my card of the week is uh, Frost Talisman. Uh, I picked this uh, kind of inspired by this recent Commons event, which I just wish became a permanent thing because that was the most fun I've had in a long time playing Eternal. That was great fun. I had so much fun actually using uh, a deck that Ruben, Barefoot Farmer, sent me, um, which was. Uh, FPS control and uh, it was really sweet. It outgrinded every other deck. It had enough uh, torches and such to kill all the aggro decks. But 
it had a couple cards that, at least in draft, I would never have ever played or thought was good. Which leads me to my first to the card, uh, Frost Talisman. When I see that card, I think this card could not possibly be good. <laughs> yeah. But in that deck, it was really good. Well, and that, I, that, that common event, there was not a whole lot of card advantage to be found across the, the card pool. So Frost Talisman turns out in the really grindy, especially games, is, just builds up. And, you know, the stun is not... Um, no. No, exactly. It was so good that in the deck that you first sent me, I don't know if you played more um, rounds or changed the deck at all, but you had put only three in, and I was like, well, this needs to be four because... This is like the card that I want to see every single game. Because if I get this card, I will win. And so I added four to that deck. And it was great. So I guess I was just wondering, uh, is there a spot where you would take this in draft? In in draft? Yeah. There are certain decks that really can use it to strong results. I think, you know, judging by... Some of the drafts we're about to go through, we'll be talking about consuming greed at some point as a card that is really horrible in so many scenarios. But when you have a frost talisman, you know, gaining that tempo and then being able to sack it with consuming greed for a a six four is just an amazing value. And there are some decks in draft where the the drawing is relevant, though it's not as common. So I'd say frost talisman is only good in this draft format if you have the good relic payoffs um generally speaking because two mana for a stun is not where you want to be right so, so only if you can sack it to consuming greed would you pick <laughs> yeah for, there's there's some other good um only if there's certain you know really powerful relic synergies yeah there there are others there's there's a few i mean you know even the sloth and stuff can be pretty nasty once you have a, a relic on board but yeah, generally speaking, I would avoid a card like this until you, you know, have some of the payoffs. It's it's a hard. It would be a d- tough thing to pick early in a draft, you know, with the expectation that the relic deck came open. Whereas, right. you know, we'll 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 point out later. I think in the second draft you have here, uh, relic the relic deck was just completely wide open as as it is often because it's not you know it's hard to make it really work. But when you do it it does just as well as any other deck. Do you want to go to the next card? I <laughs> the one I picked was a uh, fall short and I've, I've this has been a highly debated card among a lot of players so far in this format um with people saying it's horrible to you know, other people saying it's one of the best comments. Um I do think it's quite playable. Um but like I I still would not, you know, pick it over something like a really relevant and aggressive two or three drop um, in that pack, in that first pack, especially um, generally speaking, you, your, your quality of your units is very important beyond, you know, because fall short is great, but it is still semi situational. Whereas a good unit is never situational. They're always good. Mm-hmm. So I, I, but I would, I would say it's better than a lot of people uh, are thinking yeah, I think it is. I think Fall Short's one of those cards where, like, when I think about it, makes a lot of sense. But when I just, like, look at it, I'm like, this can't be good. And the reason is because it's based off of battle skills, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
But then when I see like other cards, I'm like, oh crap, this card has a text box. I can't kill it with fall short. Fall short doesn't hit anything. Even though like if I think about it, I know that's not true. But when I'm just like, look at fall short and then I like think about the cards I could like kill with it. I'm like, oh geez, there's like every card has text now. So this probably can't hit a lot of those. But it turns out that it hits more cards than you think it would, I yeah. feel like. And in another point I wanted to make about Fall Short, and I guess in case anybody doesn't know, Fall Short is a card that is two power with only one justice influence, and it's a fast spell. It seems to be something a lot of people don't realize is that the card can be played instant speed, which makes you know double blocking scenarios really good for you. You can because that that is what a lot of draft games come down to. You know, they put two bodies in front of one of your biggest guys, and it's a it's a very big blowout in those scenarios. But like I said, if we're talking about situational, like the term situational is something we used to talk about a lot in Magic, where in Magic it was a little more profound because it felt like if a card wasn't always good, you just don't ever put it in your deck. Whereas, you know, we have merchants and ranked and stuff to help us, and... Even in even in draft, it feels like you can find a use for most cards. Um, but it is it is good to note that a card has a limited set of applications. So yeah, that, I, that 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 was the the last point I wanted to make. Yeah, and I think uh, I don't know if uh, anyone cares about this, but I think this is going to be one of the interesting uh, sort of level up learning things for me is. I'm. I think I'm still very stuck in that. Like, oh, this card's situational. It can't be good. Thinking, which is which, colors a lot of my draft picks, where I end up sort of leading myself into good stuff decks because I'm just like, oh, I can't take that card. It's situational. Can't take that card. It's situational. Hoping us talking through this. Maybe if uh, anyone else out there kind of ends up in the same way. Uh, your barefoot's gonna like lead us, as you'll see later on in this draft, uh, straight into a relic deck that I never ever would have done. Uh, okay, so that's uh, that's card of the week. Next, I just thought we could our second segment, which is uh, the main topic of today. Um, I was thinking um, one thing I think a lot about is like the difference between drafting Eternal and drafting Magic. I actually don't have a ton of experience drafting Magic. I like card games, and so I listen to a lot of uh, Magic content. So most of my drafting knowledge is actually uh, from and about Magic, even though I don't actually have much practical Magic drafting experience. And um, so I'm always trying to figure out like what concepts I can take from Magic and from like understanding Magic drafting and apply it to Eternal. And uh, so we just had a couple things I think we wanted to to say on the topic. And most of mine are in the form of questions to Barefoot, and then most of his are uh, declarative statements, uh, which is great. <laughs> it sounded to be too declarative, because a lot of it is anecdotal, to be fair. And when it comes to drafting, I, you'll you'll see a lot of people have... That's where you know even some of the funnier dramas have happened between Eternal players about... You know, where do we rank these cards? Oh, this tier list is horrible or great or whatever. A lot of those opinions are, like I said, anecdotal. You know, if yeah, like, and I like I've actually won games with like like I had my only seven zero I think in this current format was with one of those weird weird relic decks, which you know 
I think a lot of people wouldn't even, it's not even on their radar that the deck exists. <laughs> yeah. And it might not, you know, necessarily be a part of a lot of tier lists, but, you know, I'm also not going to go out there and tell you that it's the best deck and you need to, like, draft it at all costs. <laughs> like, it's about reading your specific draft, you know, being open and taking taking your time and really looking for those synergies is very important. You have to build the deck that you're past. You can't go into it wanting to force anything to work or you know your tier list kind of gets thrown out the window to a certain degree once you get pretty deep in these picks because you know i i've noticed a lot of debate even like in later packs between taking a banner like a fixing like a token or a banner over something that's solid and would make the deck and those those questions right there really just depend on where your deck is at in the moment like if you don't don't have any fixing you should probably take the token you know, so it's it's always just dependent on what's happening, and you got to be flexible. I think to be successful in Eternal, for the most mm-hmm. part, as you do in Magic. That's that's a very you know. one thing that I uh, think a lot about is like the sort of the concept of signals and how that's uh, different in Eternal. And I feel like there's two ways it's that it's different, at least off the top of my head. And one is the fact that pack two and three are since it's asynchronous or from like a random person. So it's like really hard to know how effective the sing- signals you're sending or could potentially be sending are affecting the packs that you're getting passed back. And then the other thing is the fact that in eternal, there's no wheeling, you know, cause it's like you're, you're sort of th- sitting at like a 12 person table in a sense. Um, and so you can't like see like, oh, this like great green card, you know, came back around or whatever. And so it, I always wonder like strategically, is it better to like stay super open in pack one or is it better to try to like cut a color and like no pack two being like, okay, I'm definitely justice. And now it's time to like figure out, you know, color two and now two and three, I guess. Right. Or is it better to be like, like how long do you like stay stick to the tier list where you're like, okay, for the first five picks? I mean, obviously it's all always fluid, but you know, like the first five picks, I'm just gonna pick the best card and then kind of see where this leads me. Or yeah, it's it's tough. I know that um, you know N Roush is a really good player streamer who I follow a lot, and he he's always top hundred draft <laughs> pretty much perpetually so I, I like listening to what he has to say and his strategy currently is like really diving in hard on two factions and just being open as to what that third one is going to be because you usually do end up working your way into a two color deck with a splash or a pretty solidly three color faction <laughs> yeah. um you know, three faction decks as well. In my experience, I, I've found more often that I end up with a pretty even split between the three factions to maximize the power level of a deck because mm-hmm. you just you have access to so many powerful cards, and that leaves you a little more flexible and open in those middle two packs to pick the most powerful thing in those three colors at all times. There's a little difference in our approach, but generally speaking, it is good to figure out what's open pretty quickly you stand to gain a lot we were talking before we started the podcast here the the defiance packs are a lot more powerful generally speaking across the board than the draft packs 
especially at the common slot. You just have just so many more powerful, like the renown units, and so, you know, even some of the combat tricks, mighty strikes. Everything. There's just so many incredibly powerful commons. Whereas you really, <laughs> the, it's a lot less. And now with the the nerf to changey stick we've even lost another <laughs> well not i haven't lost it completely it's still very good but it's not as good so i you know i'd say that getting that read on that first pack can give you great results because sometimes you'll end up getting those really late mighty strikes and stuff i've seen people get last pick mighty strikes which is just unbelievable but if the person <laughs> Passing to you was decidedly not in the Skycrack colors. It can happen. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's that's where just reading the packs is so important. So is Mighty Strike a, a card that could tempt you into a fourth color splash? Yeah, if you if you had enough <laughs> bannermen and <laughs> and and strangers, maybe. And mm-hmm. I, I haven't had any success personally with drafting more than three factions so far in this format um and i did i did have good success i was top 100 for a lot of the last um well until the rotation happened but uh i'd say i i had a lot of great decks that were all just solidly just three faction and anytime i tried to stretch it beyond that it just never really worked out it's it's quite hard because if you think about it a lot of cards like bannermen and tokens and things you still you don't get all three of those influence but faction influence you still have to pick so often it's putting you in a really difficult (laughs) selection where you're you're having to choose between like playing your the like the manta rider like a four three aegis flyer for five something like that does require two primal influence so even something like that i've noticed games where you'll be sitting with a token and you have to decide between being able to cast one or another card Mm-hmm. And that, that's not where you want to be to be winning drafts, especially when you get paired up against some of the better players. They're going to be <laughs> not wasting their time. They're going to be playing their cards, probably, because they value things like fixing highly and will be casting things. So you want to be casting your things as well. So did you do you find the draft packs weaker than they were uh, last set? I think four. I think I think so. I think that's the general consensus as well. Though I, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I think that they are a little on the weaker side across, especially the the commons. They've kind of switched things up a little bit. They right. well, they they also made things. You know, they added a little extra fixing, which was great. That was that's definitely what you want to keep your eye out for in those two packs as well. Snag those banners. I definitely I'm a big proponent of picking them. Be an adult. Take the banner. <laughs> They'll take some fringe playable card over a... Let's go through a draft now. I'm glad you were were the guinea pig who uh, actually did the draft. We get to scrutinize one of yours. (laughs) Yeah, so the way that we're thinking uh, this would go is um, I did a draft already. We're just going to highlight maybe the strongest cards in a pack. I'll say what I picked, give some commentary, maybe discuss some cards that I didn't point out that he actually thought were in contention, even though at the time I didn't really think, I didn't think so. This first draft, I would say went disastrous. I think in a good sense, if you're trying to get to know me as a drafter, it highlights a lot of my weaknesses, which is sticking to early draft picks maybe too heavily. That's the main thing. And it really screwed me in the end. 
Okay, so we're going to go through the the first six picks of uh, pack one and two of this draft, and we're going to assume a certain amount of knowledge of uh, the cards. So we're not going to read the uncommons and commons. If any listeners find that they still need a little help, maybe we can change that up in the future. Or we've never really done this, so we're not even sure how long this is going to take. So yeah, feedback of any type, obviously very welcome. Yeah, so, but we will read the rare just because uh, even if you draft a lot, it doesn't mean you've seen them all. Okay, so pack one, uh, cards in contention are the rare is uh, Storm Tamer Operative, which is uh, two mana, two three, one primal influence. All spells deal minus one damage. Uh, Sadistic Glee, Fireheart Recruit, Power Breach Sentinel, and Oni Samurai. I picked Power Breach Sentinel. I, that card just speaks to me. I don't know if I have anything beyond that. I just like no, that card. Yeah, big Sentinels are a good place to start. <laughs> it's it's not bad. I think I would probably lean towards Fireheart Recruit. Um, just because the that, that deck specifically, I mean the fire decks, especially weapon-based fire decks, are just very strong right now. There's a small amount of removal, so something like a 3-1 quick draw for 3 is a great body in the current format on top of having the pledge option Mm -hmm. which is i I think pledge is highly valuable and adds quite a bit to a a card's power level all around um but yeah i don't disagree with the power breach sentinel pick either i think Mm -hmm. that's it's a great common and it does some really crazy things with (laughs) empower cards as well yeah and I think uh, I think we'll see that. I tend to shy away from aggro decks and go straight to sort of good stuff mid-range. I've not, I don't know, last set and this set, I haven't had a ton of luck with aggro decks. I know for a while everyone was saying, oh, just like Rakano sort of based aggro decks were doing great in this format. And I uh, once listened to uh, the Eternal cast with Neon and he had a guest on and set four who was like oh yeah fire you just draft a bunch of drifters and just like aggro people out people are trying to dirtle too much and then i drafted like five drifters and was like oh this is a great aggro deck and then just like i feel like i always go second and then someone (laughs) yeah they play a two three and all you have are two ones (laughs) (laughs) and it just never works yeah, it's it's uh it's easier in some some formats than others i'd say right now aggro is quite playable just because the the quality of removal is really really low mm-hmm. at the moment um there's just you know you got conflagrate and mob rule like like the common especially a common there's really not a lot that deals with things that mm-hmm. people are calling it you know a voltron format is, right is the term people are using which is just a funny way of saying that you just take anything even a 2-2 stranger turn it into a 7-7 flying warcraft you know just whatever that's seems to be the the format at the moment because it's it's, it's pretty easy to pull off i know but then they play begone and you feel really really bad about yourself. oh yeah yeah begone yeah that's, <laughs> that's a good point to bring up that point begone is, is solid <laughs> pack one pick two i have power breach sentinel Barefoot Farmer has uh, a quick pledge guy. Cards in contention, Stone Shell Walker, Horde Leader, Heirloom Seeker, Lethry Intimidator. And I went with Stone Shell Walker because uh, five power for a five five and also a time influence seems great. Overwhelm, um, is, 
overwhelm is fantastic as well. Yes. Yeah. Highly valuable in a lot of these board uh, face-offs <laughs> where everybody's just sitting there and all of a sudden you get a overwhelm sentinel. So is there a world where you pick Bagon here? Uh, I, you know, it's still a little early. Um, mm-hmm. I do think, generally speaking, it's good to go with the meat first. And the, that Stoneshell Walker is definitely meaty. I think mm-hmm. the only card I saw on here that I would add to carded contention was Consuming Greed. Obviously, it's you know it, it would feel a little early to pick that. It's more of a pet card for me in a lot of ways. But it's it's good at this stage of a draft as well cards that are payoffs are you know it's easier to find your relics and stuff to go with it later on mm-hmm. um but i i don't disagree with your pick whatsoever i think stone shell walker is quite strong and yeah the the other ones lethra intimidator is the pledge one three for two that gets unblockable and plus one if you have a relic is not bad either. I mean that you could some people would say that's a better payoff than consuming greed for some relics decks, but um still not better than the Sentinel. And uh right. Horde Leader is another card that we've talked about and it's ultimately it's a three three for five, which is not mm-hmm. good. So yeah. I, I it's just not as strong as I wish it was. So even if you picked your fire card first, never pick an horde leader. No, no. I, I don't even think I've played Horde Leader in a deck yet. Um, yeah. It's just not it's not where you want to be. The the payoff's delayed, and the body, when it hits the board, is just... Everybody else is playing their 3-3s three for 3 power. <laughs> Doing it for 5 is just not good. So, going into pack or pick 3, we have uh, Stone Shell Walker and Power Breach Sentinel in our pool. And uh, cards in contention, uh, Display of Instinct, Pretty on Color... Uh, Conflagrate, Arachnidon Egg, Sandcrawler. Slightly off-color, but more on-color for you, I guess, because uh, you picked a red card first, is Coastal uh, Beastmaster and New Order Watchwing. And New Order Watchwing. <laughs> yeah, as this pack is incredible. So Display of Instinct, obviously, is nuts. It's a powerful, constructed, playable card. Conflagrate is... Some people argue the best common, or maybe second best behind Mighty Strikes. Erected on Egg is good. You picked the I went display. With... The display, right? No, I think I actually oh, no. went with Conflagrate. Conflagrate. Just looking at it, I think now I would go with display, but like in like a token effort to like show that I was being open in my draft, I went with the uh, less color intensive Conflagrate. Oh no, you you knew that we were, we were going to be looking at this. I think that you know, this is a moment where somebody like Enrausch would be proud <laughs> as far as, like, you know, sticking with those two factions because you got, you know, you're already in Praxis and Conflagrate keeps you open. But I think you're right. The display is a really great card as well. Those two are pretty similar, honestly, in power level, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Display and Conflagrate. Um, Conflagrate because it's, you know, at, at seven, it's just crazy. My takeaway here might might have been to swap over into Justice for the New Order Watchwing. Um, I think New Order Watchwing is is in my opinion uh, in the bomb category of cards. Um, even at even at six, it's a four four flyer for six is just a great rate in the format currently. And having that renown effect, creating a relic, is just 
an unbelievable, unbelievably powerful uh, yeah. ability. I've seen it swing so many games. It's just you never want to see it played against you, basically. No, it's true. I think again, this is like speaks to me. I just because I don't like aggro decks, I've I've shied away from cards that say renown. I think, and so that's why. I, I never even considered New Order Watchwing because I was just like, ah, how likely is Renown to even ever trigger for me? Because, uh, like, as far as uh, Renown triggers, I tend to stick to, like, the one-mana combat tricks. Yeah. And uh, so then it feels like a lot of the Renown triggers won't pay off for at least my style of drafting. Right. Yeah, it's, you know, that that's... You can build around it, and you'll be able to find things like welding torches and stuff. A welding torch on New Order Watchwing is about the strongest thing that you can do. It's I, one of the stronger things you can do. Yeah. That's for sure. But I think I can see what, what you were getting at with this pick, though, because you have the Stone Shell Walker, who is fire and time. You have the Power Breach Sentinel, who is time. And here, the best card is a Justice card, and... Obviously, Fire Time Justice isn't really a supported uh, tri-faction thing mm-hmm. yet. Fingers crossed. It's one of my favorites, uh, at least for ranked. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I can see how you would kind of be sh- shy to, you know, do that. Because that, be, that would kind of, in a way, be abandoning the Stone Shell Walker pick to a certain degree. And you still have some great cards here. The Conflagrate and the Display are both amazing. The conflict, I think, was probably what I would go with over the display. So, I mean, it's it's not even really a mistake of a pick <laughs> whatsoever. I, it, you know, it's they're they're all great cards. Pick four. I didn't screenshot. This is my first attempt. Uh, it turns out I screwed up in my second attempt also, as you'll preview <laughs> or spoil alert, I guess. Um, but I picked Arachidon Egg out of. Uh, that next pack. So going into uh, pick five, cards in contention. Uh, there's a still two uncommons in the pack: uh, Cautious Traveler and Auric Weaponsmith. I didn't really consider those, and um, again because of the justice. Not that Auric Weaponsmith is that bad. Uh, so I consider I was considering Sandcrawler and Token of Instinct. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And you ended up picking the token, which is awesome. Sandcrawler is pretty good, especially if you're, you know, in pack four and you're kind of trying to round out your numbers on your three drops because sometimes you just don't have enough and you need it. And a three-three overwhelm is perfectly great, um, but fixing tokens are just great. But then also looking at this pack, it's interesting now looking at it in retrospect. Because it does have Auric Weaponsmith, it has Token of Vision, it has a couple uh, Shadow cards. So kind of makes me think that um, maybe Keratin is possibly open. So yeah, so out of that pack, pick the token. Uh, then we're going next pack. There's another Arachidon Egg. There's a Softfoot Burglar. And off-color, um, there's two good Justice cards out say, uh, in Oni Samurai and Coastal Diplomat. Good is maybe, like, maybe a stretch, but, you know, for this late, you know. Yeah, well, they're, they're in the right decks, some some of these cards are quite good. Like, Oni, uh, yeah, Oni Samurai, you know, is 
fast. And if you have a fast deck, it's just crazy. It can do so much work. Those Warcry triggers can add up really quickly yeah. and just take over the game. Turning your Bannerman or whatever you play into 5-5 five, five or something is just very good. But anyway, you, you pick the egg because that's the best common for your colors. Yeah. For your factions, I mean. <laughs> do do you like Sofa Burglar? Sofa Burglar? I like this one because it's premium. That's real nice. <laughs> um, but generally it's not quite as good as other one drops in the renown deck um most notably that the one drop flyer if you're if you're looking for a one drop you want to have the oni the two different types of onis and yeah the the flying guy hmm. i think they're better cards they they hold weapons real well and and, and I, you know burglar i've seen him do things yeah just not as powerful of things so we'll skip the the rest of the picks and go straight to uh pack two but not great so this is where i felt like maybe i was in the wrong colors and i picked up a frost wave a fledgling avasaur a sand crawler disassociate and pack these which i think individually aren't that bad of cards but uh i just remember being like oh there's like a lot of better other color cards in these packs so. Yeah, you, you got to take your time even with those really, really late picks because they can make a difference. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I've seen some extensive debates between things like, uh, you know, the card that does five damage to a, a flyer and things like that. You see them late and sometimes they're just perfectly great to put in your deck and quite playable. And um, So it's, don't, don't get too quick. This would be advice yeah. to especially a lot of newer drafters who are getting into this don't just like ship it in and be like oh this isn't in my colors and just click randomly because <laughs> that's where the magic happens those 26 27th cards in your deck are pretty yeah. important so do you have like a spot where where you're kind of i mean you probably haven't thought about it in like concrete terms but like where you're like not willing to to change course anymore when you're in like pick seven you know, six, seven, eight, you're, you're at like, you know, you're sort of tier two, tier three cards, but then you're like, you're seeing a lot of like off color cards. Is there a point where you're like, Oh, maybe I should just like skip, cut my losses and, uh, well, go with what's open, even though you're not picking actually as quality of cards as your first four pick. Yeah. That's a good question. I think that there's, you, you have, you have a lot of time in eternal and like in magic drafts to, really examine your deck and see what's going on and i think taking your time and counting out your playables and figuring out what you'd lose by t- turning another direction is always mm-hmm. what i do i just sit there and i look at it and i'm like okay so you know say we'll take this draft for instance right now you know you're you have the token of instinct this your your primal card at this point you got a fledgling avisar which is you know fringely playable i'd say it's not horrible flyers can carry weapons pretty well but generally speaking i'd say you know you got the conflagrate you got the stone shell walker you've got some uh two eggs so you're doing pretty good there in praxis and i'd say at this point i wouldn't do anything but dedicate myself to those two factions Mm -hmm. um going into the next pick which which means obviously talking about this format in general so praxis those colors really only go with either Ixton, you know, the Justice 
fire primal or genev the fire time primal decks so you're really looking for either great you know praxis cards or justice or um a roundabout way of saying i guess <laughs> avoid shadow unless it's really great you know in general mm -hmm. there there are definitely some shadow cards push me into doing that um but then you know you're looking at either splashing a fourth color or moving into a whole nother tri faction right. shard so yeah those are those are your considerations here i don't know if that answers your question so uh i pack two comes up i'm feeling like a genius because uh the rare is xenon obelisk <laughs> and uh and then a bunch of other things that we don't even need to talk about right yeah right i i feel like i mean i i actually didn't draw a single Xenonopolisk while I went 0-3, but, but it was in the deck. Oh, that feels good. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think, well, I wanted to talk earlier just real quick about, uh, you know, a lot of people have heard the acronym in drafting and magic break, or a bread is another one that people use. Um, so you got B for bombs, R is for removal, E is evasion, A is aggro, and D is for duds and that's general i've always found that's actually a pretty good especially in your earlier picks to kind of keep in mind i mean it seems straightforward enough you pick bombs above anything else obviously here we have a bomb we're looking at and xenon obelisk that cards just takes over games completely mm -hmm. um <clears throat> and then r you have removal so you you know generally are gonna value anything that kills a creature Eva evasion you know, flyers, and then aggro, and then duds. I, I like that. I usually stick with that pretty closely. Aggre ag and by aggro, I think, you know, they're typically referring to cards that have immediate board impact and have solid bodies for their costs. What's interesting to me about that one is what you don't find, which makes that acronym work so well for magic, is combat tricks... You know, pump spells and weapons are so much stronger in Eternal than they are in Magic. Absolutely. And it does so definitely change the. I never figure out where those fit in bread. You know, you put that yeah, between yeah. the B and the R. Do you put that between the R and the E? Yeah. Do you put that before the E and the A? It's just like something that I feel like the more I play Eternal, the more I'm like learning i think i think it's it's not that the acronym is not correct it's just that the, the b and the r the bombs and the removal you just see less of so then the the e and the a the evasion and the aggro that's that's where the weapons kind of right fall into that area there so it's they're, they're definitely always i mean I, I felt the same way when i first started playing eternal i was so excited i was like oh my gosh weapons enchantments are good what is this game this is crazy <laughs> like yeah. these cards I, I just always avoid them like the plague when you play magic but eternal that's completely another story because they all either do things and or the format just doesn't isn't overloaded with kill spells uh pack two pick two now that we've got our xenon obelisk in the deck Cards in Contention is uh, Stone Scar Mall, uh, Snow Crust Yeti, Ageless Sentinel, and Trailmaker. And I went with Stone Scar Mall. I was just kind of thinking it's red, removally. It's, uh, people have killed me with it. So I went with that. And then, you know, Stone Crust Yeti, I think, is a good card, but 
blue doesn't seem to be like my primary, so I didn't really want a low drop in blue. Right. And I do like Ageless Sentinel, but it's a common, so I figured I should yeah, go with it. At this point, you still just have Praxis, basically. But yeah. No, you don't really know your supporting color beyond that token of instinct helping you with the primal. Um, yeah, and this was a pick where I disagreed with you. I would have gone with the Trailmaker for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I think Trailmaker is just incredibly good. It's just, it does so many things, especially for a deck like a lot of these Praxis Sentinels deck. You already have the Stone Shell Walker and the Power Breach Sentinel at five and six, and you have Obelisk as a great payoff for having extra power. So something like Trailmaker is just great. And it's a single faction um, requirement, single influence requirement, two drop that fixes and ramps. There's just... I, I can't say enough good things about that card. Yeah, I think this is just a blind spot for me because uh, thinking about it now, like if that was said, if that was a bannerman, I think I would have picked it, and I'm not sure why the trailmaker. <laughs> yeah, I get the two one. Get out of here. I, I know. I don't know what it is that makes me not think it could be better than a bannerman, but it dies to snowball, man. Yeah, exactly. I think you know you probably just got excited by the on color uncommon too i, I know so. that that sometimes happens to me too i'm like ah but surely i'll find another trail maker and then no what you know everybody else is picking those very highly because yeah. they're just so strong you gotta grab them while you can because i i will rarely be passing one except for something very powerful because mm-hmm. you know we're in a tri-faction land too everybody needs fixing yeah it's not as available as I'd like it to be sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Right. So yeah. So you. So now we got some big fat stuff in your deck. You've got the Walker, the Power Breach Sentinel, and the the Maul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You can see maybe there's maybe you can see some problems <laughs> in my deck so far just based on that. But um, well, we okay. currently have Pack Beast as the only playable two drop. So and yeah. and Sandcrawler is the only playable three drop. So I'd say that would be your big blind spot at this yeah. point in the draft if you're if you're trying to assess what your weakness was like arachnidon egg great but not you know doesn't immediately affect the board in any way not, not really a one drop yeah yeah and even something like pack beast is is I, i've heard people say it's bad i think it's playable um perfectly fine especially in a deck that's trying to do busted things really quickly yeah i think this I've... one i think would be yeah, my thing with Pack Beast is I think it, my opinion of it is it probably, it just, it feels better than it actually is. Because, like, when you play it on turn two and you happen to have three power in hand and you get to play that, that second power on turn two, you feel like you've really done it. And I feel oh, yeah. like that colors my opinion of Pack Beast when all the times it's literally just a two mana, two one. Okay, so Pack, uh, pack Two, Pick Three. Uh, cards in contention: Rusty Grenadin, Ageless Sentinel, and Ruination Sledge. So, this one's pretty close, but I, you went with the Rusty Grenamotive, which yes, I, I think was definitely the correct pick. Yeah, as judging by you didn't have any early picks, so early early drops. Right. So, and I skipped the weapon. Not really a weapon deck, I guess. Though Ruination Sledge is a great card. Yeah, it's very good, and it's really good right now too in the format. Okay, then um, pack uh, 
pack two, pick four. Uh, in the pack is Jotun Hurler, Wisdom of Elder, Dragon Breath. There's not really any playable time or fire cards. There's also a Caleb's Choice, but that feels too conditional um, in draft for me, so I didn't mention it. This was... Uh, you went with the Hurler, I believe, yes? Yes. The Hurler, that yeah. was obviously... Yeah, good pick. Hurler need just, all the five drops. He's a great, great card, and it also is putting you in that primal, which is perfectly great place to be. I think in this draft, because I think those those colors are, you know, time primal fire are good at controlling the board and stuff too. So you have no problem getting to your big stuff, mm-hmm. your giants and sentinels. Um, I think Dragon Breath was the other card that's even. Close. Wisdom of Elders is, eh, it's, it's okay, but it's having the 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 double primal is really really rough actually in the format I'd say. Right. Um, you if you want to be going deep for a double primal card, it needs to do more than just drawing two cards. Mm-hmm. Um, Dragon Breath, on the other hand, is better than I've ever seen it be in any format because it's actual removal in just a format that doesn't have much at all. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this yeah this is a no hesitation Jotun hurler pick for sure. Okay, so then um, pick five uh, cards in contention: Grenadin drone, Viper's bite, Skycrag banner, and a bunch of great green cards. Yeah, though that ship has sailed. Um, it's a nice Skycrag banner though. Yeah, which yep. I'm pretty sure. Yep, you picked. That's, that's what I picked. That's great. Next pack. There's a Cobalt Ring, there's a Wildfire Sensari, Elysian Stranger, and a Praxis Banner. I picked the Stranger, and uh, I don't know what you would... Yeah, I wrote Stranger, for sure. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, you, you, had, you still only had the Pack Beast at this point, so... Yeah. If you had the pick between a Stranger and a Banner, you definitely go with the Body. Mm-hmm. Assuming it's... I had a reasonable amount of twos, where are you on Banner versus Stranger? Uh, if you if you did have yeah. reasonable twos, you, yeah, I would definitely pick the banner over a stranger if you already had like a solid group of <laughs> two drops. But I I think strangers are just great right now, and yeah. I think that it's they they do so many different things for you and let you play your cards while also being a card. Yeah, like like similarly with some of these other fixing cards, like a, a card like a strangers at its best that I've ever seen in a draft format right now just because of all of the crazy influence requirements mm-hmm. that you really need for the powerful decks. The final uh, pick is uh, Flash Freeze and a Topaz Drake in the pack. I think I picked the Topaz Drake. But again, there were there's purple card or there are shadow cards and not I wasn't feeling great about these last couple picks as far as like seeing good cards. I mean, I'm glad I picked up banners and the stranger and stuff, but like even the other cards, I was like, oh, these aren't like great praxis cards per se. Let's see. So then you got, so you just skip ahead to the final. Yeah, I just, here. I did want to ask you about what you thought about Shingane Forge, which uh, I picked up, I guess, somewhere pack four. And have you had much success with that card? I I've had some success and I've been beaten by it. I've also seen it not do anything. So <laughs> yeah, but it, it's it, it's a five 
five power relic that doesn't have an immediate impact on the game. So that yeah. it, it is a very powerful effect, but it definitely has to have the right fit to do. You have to have a deck that's just basically every creature has renown, you know, to have yeah. an extreme payoff with the forge. Um, and even even then, if you are really trying to win the game quickly, which most of those renowned decks are, it's not really where you want to be. Yeah, I picked it, and I was really excited about it being in my deck. But I think part of that is because I tend to build sort of slower mid-rangey decks, and so it's really good against decks I build. And so it whooped me a couple times. So then yeah, I was and like, even in even in this deck, you had two of the. Sirocco glider or whatever the and an ageless sentinel so you got some some units that have you know big butts that can sit there and buy you time for the forge to get mm-hmm. going and gain some some steam for you yeah but it just felt like it was five mana do nothing yeah it, it is i mean it literally is pretty much every game <laughs> except except like i said if, if you needed that another extra good playable card and you had a lot of really quick renowned stuff it could be okay okay cool well hopefully people found that helpful and insightful and interesting because we're going to do a second one and uh because i did i did one more draft this one went better so i definitely want to highlight it and uh yeah so let's quick we'll go through it so pack one pick one cards in contention are howling kurtar uh there's a mighty strikes there's a Bannerman, a Fall Short, and a Mob Roll. Howling Kurtar feels like a bomb. It's kind of heavy influence requirements, but figured might as well try to go for it. Yeah, and it's a double faction pledge card on top of all that. That's true. In case people don't know, it's the 3-3, three, because three, I'm still learning some of the Oh, names. yeah, sorry. It's the 3-3 it's the three, three Deadly Endurance in Argonport for four that has pledge and empower plus two plus two and flying so it it does work it's really strong (laughs) it's i think you're right in assessing it as a bomb Uh, mighty strikes would be the second yeah that'd be your second pick yeah yeah absolutely i I, that that card's as good as everyone says Mm -hmm. okay yeah so so that one wasn't hard there's not a lot of discussion you get a great you get a great rare you just pick I find myself in this format picking rares a lot, generally, just because I'm kind of staying open as it is anyway. So, it's like the upside is that maybe Argentport's open. If it's not, whatever, I got a rare. (laughs) It's no big deal. Okay, so pack one, pick two. Uh, There's a Steel-Eyed Pistolar, Blood Quill, uh, Sandcrawler, Master Cartographer. I I didn't consider this a very strong pack. No, it's not. And... Uh, you said you wrote down at least that you would pick the steel-eyed pistler in this pack. Yeah. yeah. And I went with blood quill. And the main reason I went with blood quill is one, it's shadow, and I was like thinking about shadow after the howling Qatar. But also, like the steel-eyed pistler, since I never trigger renown, I think of it almost interchangeably with sandcrawler as far as like abilities go and so i'm like oh it's a three three for three i'll get those eventually so like i might as well with this week of a pack kind of like go out on a limb and pick a card that probably won't make my deck but might as compared to just like a random three three for three which there are some at common so you kind of pick them up right i think the pistolier is the safest pick 
mm-hmm. um, just because of the body three three yeah. for three with only the one justice with a potentially powerful ability if you get the right and and Arjunport you know you got the Kurtar that's that's all we got at the moment but yeah with, with adding a pistolier to the deck you have a lot of options for you know that card doing something though I mean I will say the the double damage isn't super backbreaking unless you have certain effects like changey sticks and stuff to really help you push through because right. otherwise it's either going to eat a chump block or they're just going to take a big hit and then proceed from there yeah um because the the effect only lasts for one turn if if that card had double damage forever it'd be a whole nother story yeah but <laughs> but as it is it's it's not it's not incredible, but it's also good enough, I think, here to take. So you're not biting on my. Might as well be a little crazy when a three three. three. Oh, oh, oh no, I'm I'm all for that. Yeah, be crazy. I'm, as I'm just, as I'm, we I'm find just... out, because you would have been sacrificing that blood quill all day with the rest of this draft. Yeah, yeah, I would have been happy. <laughs> Though I, yeah, I wouldn't have picked it. So. Okay, so pack uh, pick three. I did. I somehow missed the screenshot once again. But I picked a Begon, and uh, probably just because it gave me the influence I wanted, and not a bad card. Um, I'm gonna. I can't see the pick, but I'm gonna agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> Begon okay. is good. Okay, so pick four uh, cards of contention: uh, Lethry Intimidator, Broken Wing, Wing Brawler, Infused Guardian, and Token of Knowledge. And you mentioned Coastal Re- Recruit also. Yeah. So um, I think you went with the Guardian Infused. Yeah, I went with the. That's a good, I, safe, powerful pick. I feel like it was it was kind of interesting pick for me because it's like it felt like the common pledge pay, or empower payoff for all three colors that I was potentially in already. I'm more comfortable in time than other colors, so and I think maybe also objectively Infused Guardian is probably the best of the group. I think you're right. I think the the second. I'm pitfall trap is close for me personally, um, mm-hmm. which I didn't mention because I I would never pick that in this situation. But you did mention it, so you can you want to go on about how? Yeah, I think pit pitfall trap does multiple things. I mean, it pings for one. It only costs one, um, and so it there's lots of things that it hits. There's so many one toughness targets in this format right now. And then the uh, extra ability on top of that of being able to loot when you play a unit, which you're going to be for the foreseeable future, is can can really add up over time. Um, yeah, and paying one for that is not that expensive. No, it's not bad at all. It's very easy to pull off. I've yeah, when, every time I've had the the trap, I've been pretty happy with it. It, and if you sacrifice it to a consuming greed, holy moly. <laughs> it's like so. It's this value on so many levels. You pitfall trap one of their guys, kill it, and then later on play a consuming greed and turn that trap into a six four. Yeah, it's it's good. Well, that's some serious foreshadowing because uh, I know next... you end up getting past like a million of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, in fact, uh, next uh, this next pick, uh, cards in contention, wind cloak, consuming greed, mob roll, Dogon, and I. There was a blaze in the pack, though. I don't think I would ever take that. But No, it's not really playable. I took... What did I take? You went with uh, Mob Roll? I went yeah. with Mob Roll. I think, you know, in a vacuum, Mob Roll probably is the best card here. But like I was saying, the, the Consuming Greed is 
is what you're looking off if looking for if you're looking for a payoff for something like that relic deck. Mm-hmm. And and this is the mo- this would be the moment to have potentially moved in. Yeah, I think um, because it, it, you're seeing it this late. You just got you know you saw the the pitfall trap the turn before and you know, the pick before. It's yeah. And I unlike you have a blood quill in their in their pool also. Yeah, yeah. I even more reason to, to <laughs> jam it right now. And, I did you not. Know, the the, oh. the three one flying body is is pretty relevant too here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just. It does a lot. It easily takes over the game if you're able to get the summon effect. Yeah, it just dies to a counter pitfall trap. <laughs> anyway, okay. So, That's moving on. Um, yeah, when with all that relic on relic action that you see in uh, the draft keys. <laughs> uh, okay, so next uh, playables, Honeypot and Keridin Steward. Yep. So there was a rat cage if we happened to have gone into the relic deck too, but you'd still pick Stewart probably. Yeah, and even if I was, well, the the honey pot, that would be going very deep at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's very good if you have some of the bigger costed relics, and even if you have even ones and two costing relics, being able to deal three to something is not bad. Yeah. But it's it it requires building around. So yeah. your your pick of Karen and Stewart. Yeah, seems great. Absolutely. Seems real late for that. Felt good about that one. Okay, then next is uh, there's a Cabal Scavenger and Sloth to sort of hint at the deck that you wanted to go in. And then I was looking at uh, Runic Protector and Pack Beast out of this pack. I went with Pack Beast just to go just for the earlier drop. Yeah, that, I think that was that was the most playable card since you were still staying open to time, justice, and mm-hmm. shadow. Yeah, this and, is probably where my draft would have diverged from yours pretty drastically because I might have right. taken a sloth here, followed by what two more consuming greeds I think came up after this. <laughs> yeah, and then there were two more consuming greeds right after that. Yeah, and the next next pick, pick eight. But I kind of thought there's a couple cards I wanted to talk about. Um, in here is Token of Vision, Improvised Club, and Consuming Greed. Feeling great about just uh, picking the Token of Vision here, especially with how my uh, draft is going. Yeah, uh, that was cons- a great pickup for you. Yeah, Consuming Greed, you love. And then um, sort of along with my card of the week, uh, Improvised Club was another card that did work in that deck. And just wondering, how playable do you think that is in draft? Uh, it's It's kind of fringely playable, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Eight eight is pretty rough. Um, yeah, there 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 are instances where if you're running multiple in the ages, things like that can get you to eight really easily. So if you're paying close attention to your deck building and you find that you're just you have so much ramp, then a card like Improvised Club is great to throw in your deck. A, a six six relic weapon is nuts. <laughs> yeah, it is it is pretty good. Generally, I haven't played it a whole lot in this format because I typically stick with more aggressive decks yeah even even the relic deck i'm talking about can play quite aggressively with just consuming reads at the top end then uh once again this draft made me look like a genius because uh pack two pick one uh impending doom uh so i snap pick that there's also an ancient lore and a xenon stranger i think you always pick uh pick impending doom there oh yeah 
no doubt. Absolute bomb. So then... Five, uh, five, five flyer for four. <laughs> yeah, feels with, great. With a very small drawback. Pick two. Uh, there's a Xenon Stranger in the pack, Copper, Copper Hall Recruit, and a District Infantry. In retrospect, I agree with you. I picked the District Infantry. I think I was just... I saw in power and figured I should... And just went with it. But I think the Stranger's probably the more adult pick is... Very adult. No, the, the Stranger would have been really good here. Because you're... I mean, you're largely in... Xenon uh, anyway. So having a fully on color stranger is great. Okay. Pick three Rooftop Vigilante, Bold Adventurer, and Strength Many. Yeah. Get, that Rooftop yeah. Vigilante is great. Yep. Feeling pretty smart. Yeah. Oh. And it should be noted you haven't played these games yet. <laughs> That's true. I, I did I'm pretty sure one. this deck's going to do well. <laughs> I played one and I felt it felt really good. So, okay. okay. I, I don't see how this deck couldn't perform pretty well. Yeah, Vigilante, Howling Kurtar, Impending Doom. You're you're just you're doing it. Okay, next. The win conditions uh, are all deadly flyers. That's nuts. So this is pick four in pack two. There's a Vara's Choice, a Ravenous Thorn Beast, and a Peacekeeper Helm, and a Finest Hour. Yeah, it was a little removal light, so went Vara's Choice. I think you agreed with that. Yeah, yeah. Based on what you had so far, I would agree. The, the I mean, the the caveat is that finest hour I think in a lot of decks is stronger mm-hmm. um, if if you're aggressively inclined or have renown effects. Finest hour is very very powerful in this deck. Vara's choice absolutely fantastic. I do think if the if I had had more removal, I there's a chance I might take Peacekeeper's Helm over Vara's choice if the finest hour wasn't there. Yeah, is that a thing that you might think? Um, yeah, just I mean, once again, it depends on yeah your deck, I guess. But there's a possibility that you would because there are certain there are certain decks where weapons matter more than spells potentially, mm-hmm. where there's you know certain uncommons where they search up for weapons or you know draw cards when you play weapons. That would be the only. Generally speaking, Finest Hour is a lot stronger, but yeah, there is a world where Peacekeeper's Helm is better. And then uh, next, all there is is a Ravenous Thunder Beast and Umbran Death Watcher. I guess I just wanted to know, would you ever take an Umbran Death Watcher over a Ravenous Thorn Beast? Uh, probably not. <laughs> no, okay. No, I don't... Very unlikely. I don't think I would either. Okay. They do. They are kind of similar in a lot of ways, except one is double shadow, even, the death. He- I feel like the Umbrin, yeah, it's one of those higher ceiling, lower floor kind of cards, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas Thorn Beast is just a flexible, powerful card. Okay, and and then um, okay, next you said Initiation Bell. I would never pick that. And then <laughs> I I only mentioned Initiation Bell because obviously it wouldn't make your pick at this point. But <laughs> if, if if we're talking about my hypothetical bizarre quadruple. Could, Consuming greed deck. I'm definitely taking initiation bell because it's a three. It's a three mana or three power six four in a deck with that many consuming greeds. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's it's not good in general. Initiation bell's not. <laughs> it takes a lot of work to get it to do what you want it to do. It's barely a good build around in any constructed deck. You went with the Umbran Cokes, right? Which is fine over an off color banner. I just wanted to go through these. Uh... These first two picks of pack three, 
it was uh, Argentport Stranger, Xenon Stranger, Illumination Wisp, Wisp, and then since you picked it late, <laughs> you picked it last back, <laughs> another initiation bell for you. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I guess you, I guess it's just an easy stranger. You know, Illumination Wisp is like just holds a place in my heart. So I was just wondering if there was any possibility that it could, I, you could be talked into it. Uh, Illumination Wisp would be better if you were paired with fire and had a lot of weapons and yeah. stuff. Like if you had Ruination Sledges and whatnot. Yeah, Illumination Wisp is amazing. Yeah. But in this deck, you're you have such we're, a powerful top end right now that having the fixing with the Stranger was yeah absolutely the correct. We're just call. trying to. Yeah, cast Howling Kurtar. Right, yeah, exactly. You don't you don't need an Illumination Wisp. Okay, and then this and, is my... But in the Voltron decks, the Illumination Wisp is the ultimate Voltron. He's a, <laughs> he does it all. And then this is uh, my final question. Um, it turned out I shouldn't have done this because this turned into a gotcha for me, but in this pack there's an Emerald Ring, Changey Stick, Trailmaker, and Civic Peacekeeper. I would not have actually put Trailmaker on this list, but now I realize that I'm totally wrong in that. So yeah, that I was definitely the pick. So I really put this up here and was like, "Is there any world where you're like, hey, maybe I can splash this changey stick?" There, there is. There is a world. It wouldn't be this deck in its current state, though. Yeah. Um, because your your Howling Kurtar is double shadow, double justice. Your big flyer, the impending doom, is double shadow. Like you just, you, I feel like stretching your influence at this point would have been a major mistake, yeah, which is I mean, why the Trailmaker is even better. Like, <laughs> yeah, it does yeah. everything for you. It fixes, and it would have ramped you into those your impending doom on turn three, or even potentially Kurtar if you had the right uh, influence. So yeah, I think yeah, I think you went with Emerald Ring, which in, in a vacuum is a really strong card. To be right. fair, it's it's not bad at all, and it can slowly take over a game but but i think trailmaker for consistency's sake is a better card yeah i think in retrospect that is what i will now take from now on <laughs> in this situation okay cool and so yeah i feel like the deck uh ended up pretty solid i got a display you ended up picking up two more karen and stewards that's amazing oh yeah i picked up two more karen that was See, in, it was like yeah. pack four and it was not even or it was like they were like pick eight and nine or something. It was crazy. So if anyone listening is still following, this deck has three Carandon stewards, <laughs> Rooftop Vigilante. He put picked up a Shadowlands Bone Picker, a Howling Kurtar, an Impending Doom, and a Fuse Guardian. Yeah, it's, and you ended up with the on color display, display of vision, which is yeah. not the best display by any means. I think it's probably the worst of the bunch of its impacts but it can occasionally be an incredible blowout of a card and on top of that you have so many power effects the triple stewards and the fuse guardian and the kurtar yeah all have great synergy with displays yeah um, power ability too as well as like an instant speed pump spell for all those guys on top of being potentially a board wiper yeah, and then the thing I'm going to get back to all the viewers with and you is I also picked up a back for more. I'm not sure if that's a good card. Uh, yeah, I want to find out what, how it goes. Because I feel like it's too conditional, but um, maybe it'll do something. 
if anybody doesn't know, Back for More is the card that puts what it plays a creature, uh, plays a unit that had died this turn. Wait, yeah, it's okay. and it's annoying influence too. It's like two justice and a shadow, or two shadow and a justice, or something. It'll be interesting. I, I fully support for science's sake. You doing it? Um. So anyway, that's I guess we're, we're that's the end of that segment. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about that? No. It's fun. I like going through this. Uh, I just, you know, if anybody ends up listening to this, I'd like to hear opinions on how we can make a an audio format work for this type of thing. You know, like because <laughs> following following a draft when you have the picks laid out in front of you is different from listening to it, I suppose, to a certain mm-hmm. degree. But I hope that it wasn't too hard to to grasp what we we're where we were going. I think that's the uh, end of our show. I didn't write any notes about how to end the show, so I think we're just going to say goodbye. I'm just going to say goodbye. Maybe you have a good idea. <laughs> Eat your veggies, kids. Yeah, please. Please. Support, Buy. support local farmers. Go to the farmer's market. No, I, I, Eat healthy, though, man. Seriously, stay, stay healthy actually helps your gameplay. Um, that's a commonly known fact in the magic communities that staying healthy and eating well and trying trying to take good care of yourself pays off when you're you know grinding tournaments oh hey i did want to say uh one small bonus segment so what deck are you playing in two days oh god if you've made it this far (laughs) listening to this podcast i don't i don't care to give away the seat no this i I actually just picked up the best deck in the format and went top 100 and ranked with it so uh that's the the uh, Justice Fire Shadow list that Ingenuity played in that recent ETS tournament. It's crazy powerful. It just feels dirty. They they nerfed all the merchants except for the ones in the J the JFS decks. Uh, so now I, I just we'll see. Um, I think that's a good choice if you really want a, a good deck. Mm-hmm. They can win games really easily from a lot of different angles. It it does a lot of things. I would say practice, um, you know, and you have to be able to win the mirror too. And I think that that might scare people off of playing it. To be honest, <laughs> that you're going to end up playing the mirror constantly. Yeah. Um. Do you think not exactly I... fun, but uh, get your regent tombs out of your market in the mm-hmm. mirror because the only thing that answers it is highwaymen and the Rizan, which which are you know it's a six drop and highwaymen can be defended against potentially so i found a lot of games ended up like uh basically us battling over who kept their regent's tomb alive and got the value off of it how much does region how much life does regent's tomb have it only has two. Oh, so it dies to a Rizan. Yeah, it does die to Rizan. Yep. So you don't you don't want to get it if you're on the draw and you expect a Rizan coming up in <laughs> a couple of turns. Oh, so it's not always the pick, I'd say, but right. it's it's a good target for those slow grindy matchups. Um, just playing it and immediately sabot or uh, yeah, sabotaging is great. But who knows what I'll end up playing when the day comes? Mm-hmm. They might do a last second nerf for all I know. Do you think so? One last question I wanted to ask you. Do you think the fact that they changed it to you not being able to switch decks, will that you think that'll influence people's deck choices a bit or I think yeah. I think it will I'm not sure exactly how um 
I have a hunch that you'll see a little more aggro because of it. Mm-hmm. Just because jamming 28 games of a grindy deck is not for the faint of heart. Like, there's <laughs> there's going to be a lot of people wanting to just, like, ninja their way into the top 64 with just really solid Rakano aggro or Skycrag, if I had to guess. I would expect a lot of Rakano aggro. Yeah, I feel like what I've seen. What it's gonna do is it's gonna keep the um, the qualifier part very similar to what it's been, and then just make the top sixty four more aggressive than it's been. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the good players are still gonna play those Howling Peak decks (laughs) and stuff. But I think your your goal in these ECQs is just to win games as many games as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it it's you're going to see a lot of people, I think, opting for, you know, fast, fast decks that can get there really quick. Um, oh. I, I actually went in the past. I've played a lot of Praxis mid range in these tournaments, typically, especially I, if I had actually made the bracket portion of the tournaments, I probably would have dropped it for something else. But it was always it always felt like a strong pick because so many people were. Because I was playing my games on Saturdays, typically with you know as the tournament was <laughs> coming to an end, I was trying to get all my games in, and I felt like I was just playing against so many aggro decks. So Praxis Midrange is just a great place to be because mm-hmm. it just has such a great matchup. Though I gotta say, those new Rakano decks almost go too big even for Praxis to handle sometimes. They, it's it's not as easy as it used to be beating aggro I... when they're playing Hojin into. Just, just going off with cards like that right now. Cool. Anyway, that was a little bonus yeah. non-draft. Yeah. Uh, just with the tournament coming up, I thought it might be interesting. Okay, cool. So we'll end it here. Nice. Anyway, thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, we'll see you hopefully next week. Yeah. Peace Bye. out.